Welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, January 26, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Timonini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, I am back down prostrating myself to Excuse the... Me. To the higher authorities <laughs> that govern our world and dictate the way that certain theatrical suns rotate in and out of our lives. Because we had a story sure. that is getting me back to praying to whomever those gods may be, most likely Stephen Sondheim. We will get into that here in a second. Always. Yeah. Yes, it's always Stephen Sondheim. But before we get into that, don't forget to head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon to get all of your Broadway news and interviews and analysis before anybody else. That story, of course, is the fact that the upcoming national tour of Company has announced that it will be launching in October of this fall in Detroit, Michigan, Detroit Rock City, beginning at the Fisher Theater on October 17th and running through the 29th. It has announced two other stops. They are not the next stops, obviously, because it'll be going to Denver from May 22nd through June 2nd of 2024, and then the Paramount Theater in Seattle from July 23rd through the 28th. Obviously, as more presenting houses around the country announced their 2023-2024 seasons. Company will obviously appear on it. The tour said that it will play 25 stops during its 2023-2024 season. Additional stops, casting, and public on-sale dates will be announced in the future. I am looking at these dates saying, okay, we've got Detroit in the fall, and then Uh Denver in the spring, and then Seattle in the summer. So what that tells me is that next from, they'll be going to the Dr. Phillips Art Center or whatever the hell it's yeah, called. I'm saying they've got all of November through mid May to make this south, southeast, eastern seaboard swing. So I'm feeling very good about company being in our season here in Orlando at some point because you can just see their trajectory. You have Detroit, you have nothing on the East Coast, so they're going to go there. But then, you know, by spring, they're going to be in the middle of the country in Denver, and then they're going to all points west. So it's not like they're going to go <laughs> Detroit you know, Arizona, Nevada, California, back to Denver, then back to Washington. So I feel pretty good about how this is shaping up for my ability to see it here in in my hometown. uh, This sounds like your audition to be a meteorologist. It could be. Well, the cold front is coming in. The nor'easter is looking really bad. Um, That's true, King. Yeah. But uh, (laughs) I always... Depend Well, not always, because the Dr. Phillips Center has thrown me off at times. Uh, I generally like to try to predict what shows we are going to get and when we're going to get them. But that obviously requires other places to announce their seasons uh, before me, before Orlando. And, and, and a couple times in the last four or five years, Dr. Phillips has like done it in February, which is before most of the other Southeastern and Florida mm-hmm. presenting houses do. So I can't do that. But just looking at the way the tea leaves look, I'm feeling very good about getting – um, company either at the end of this year or in early 2023. Either way, I am very happy. Always hoping. Yeah. But my question for you, Ashley, is okay. if we take out everybody who did the show on Broadway, at least the principal, if you want to throw in like an understudy, I'm totally fine with that. But okay. taking out the, the original cast of this most recent revival, who would you want to see in this tour? It could be any role. Obviously, Bobby Damn, or Joanne. I was going to say Katrina, so you've really ruined that for me. You are a liar. You are a <laughs> lying liar. Um, <laughs> no. But it, it could be Bobby. Bobby would be great. Or Joanna or anybody. Whom would you like to see in this tour? 
I mean, I'm kind of always eternally hoping in some form or another for a Carmen Cusack Bobby, uh, oh. which is kind of what a lot of people were predicting pre-Katrina was going to happen and didn't necessarily think personally that was going to happen, but there's always been that little bright spot in the back of my brain thinking of that. So that's my immediate instinct. That's a good one because I feel like She's big enough to like make that an event, but she's not so big yeah. that she couldn't tour. Like the other people who were, who I actually heard were the finalists along with Katrina were Laura Benanti and Renee Lee Goldberry. Yeah, Neither right. of them are touring. No, no, no. So <laughs> although, although Stephanie J. Block is touring, but that's a different situation because she's doing it with her husband. Right, but exactly. Um, but I think Carmen, she's, she might be too big to tour, but she might like, she's on that edge. So I could see her doing that. Like this would be a big deal. This is obviously a show that everybody wants to do. We saw how many stars were in it, uh, on Broadway. And so it would not surprise me if they got somebody. Yeah. And also just for that matter and talking about a Sondheim show, everyone wants to do it anyway. And look at the cast of Into the Woods, most of mm-hmm. all, which stayed for their tour, as you mentioned, yeah. Stephanie and, and Sebastian. Yeah, and and uh, I saw Carmen do Sweeney Todd at the Muni over this past summer. I, yeah. I know she's also played Dot in in Sunday in the Park. So like she has yep. not only a love for Sondheim, but the chops to do it in very big venues as well. Uh, do you have any Joanne ideas? Like I don't know who. I mean, like That's I would love tough like because I don't know which old broad I love is going to tour. <laughs> like that's well, that's what the, I mean. That's like, the spot where it's like this person is too big to tour. Right. I but know I who know. I would want. I know who I would want, but I okay. don't think she, I, I. She's like she might be a little too far above the line, but she's fairly close to the line of maybe being willing to tour in this particular show because she does have a Tony Award. She does have a second nomination. She has been a guest here on Broadway Radio with me. I would love to see Beth Level. Beth Level. Oh, I mean, yeah, always. I mean, that's she also would be who fantastic. I was hoping if 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 company had lasted longer mm-hmm. than just the Patty era, yeah, yeah, that's kind of always who I wanted. Yeah, I would I would love that. So maybe we get a Carmen and Beth national tour and if they do i am telling if chris harper right now <laughs> you'll pay his salary <laughs> no he needs to pay my salary because we just gave you two perfect ideas chris so i'm yeah. not i'm you not know he giving listens, away so listen he's a patreon at the 25 dollar level a month it's so, true yeah so i guess technically he does pay bucks. our salary yeah he yeah, does yeah, yeah. Um, but uh yeah so who knows carmen cusack beth level those would be perfect choices dreamy. for the national tour dreamy dreamy choices all right we got some other broadway related news on wednesday uh we actually got it on pretty late on tuesday actually but second stage announced the dates for two of their upcoming produ- productions one on broadway one off broadway and both getting ready to start in the month of march first on broadway at the helen hayes theater i'm not calling it the hayes theater i don't know why they made that change it's the dumbest <laughs> yeah. thing in the world but the Thanksgiving play will begin previews yes, on finally. Broadway. I know. Like, this has been something they announced, I mean, I feel like in 2020 or 2021. And we are just now getting it and finally maybe? getting the dates. It'll yeah. begin pre- It'll begin previews on March 23rd with an opening date of April 20th. Obviously, just in time for the Tony eligibility cutoff. One of my and most then, anticipated shows of the year, as we talked yeah. about our anticipated shows this coming season. I cannot wait for that one. 
Yeah, Larissa Fasthorse is be going to become the first female Native American playwright yes. ever produced on Broadway. It will be helmed as it was off Broadway by Rachel Chavkin, who is she has a show coming up that she is co-directing <laughs> at New York Theater Workshop. She's how got to defend this, yourself. Another one of my most anticipated shows. I yep. think three or four Chavkin shows were on my list. So yeah, absolutely. She's busy, busy yeah. year. And then, of course, she's got whatever happens next with Limpica. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, that'll be great. And I do want to mention, they did an online production in 2021 of this show, like because it was in the middle of, of COVID. The cast was insane. I don't think – I mean, I don't know of any of these people actually doing it on Broadway. But the online version starred Bobby Cannavale, Heidi Schreck, Aaliyah Shawkat, and Keanu Reeves. So They'll all be in it. If all of them are in it, like all just constant spaces of free time in their schedule, I'm sure. I'm just saying, you know, you never know. But Keanu Reeves uh, in a Broadway show, that would probably be the highest selling thing in the history of Second Stage. Probably. (laughs) Anyway, secondly, (laughs) the off-Broadway show that I mentioned is Michael R. Jackson's White Girl in Danger that'll be running off-Broadway. It will begin performances on March 15th with an opening on April 10th. This one is a co-production with Second Stage and the Vineyard Theater Group. Uh, the great Liliana Blaine Cruz will direct and Raja Feather Kelly will, will choreograph this one. In this one, I love this, this plot description. <laughs> the work transports audiences to soap opera town all white where Keisha Gibbs and the other black grounds, so like backgrounds, but with an L, black grounds look to center their own narratives while avoiding certain death at the hands of the all white killer. I'm my beloved General Hospital is now dealing with the uh, with the hook killer. So I understand oh, how these course. serial killer things yeah, work. Yeah, I should have known. Yeah, so just absolutely great. Love this stuff. Second stage doing great, great work. And of course, they also recently yeah. extended between Riverside and Crazy for an yeah. extra week, and it'll be available to stream here coming up in the next few weeks too. Woo! All right, coming back home, literally to like ten minutes from my home, there was word on Tuesday night. Out of Epcot at the Disney on Broadway concerts that happen every January and into February, that there's going to be a new Broadway bound or theatrical musical from Disney theatrical, and it will be Pixar's 2017 animated film Coco during the concerts where they pair two people who have done Disney on Broadway shows together, um, usually one man, one woman. And they do a number of concerts. It was Mandy Gonzalez and L. Steven Taylor, both of whom have been former guests of mine here on Broadway Radio. Uh, and L. Steven Taylor mentioned the fact that Coco was being turned into a, a musical. They don't say specifically that it is a Broadway bound musical because we know that they do a lot of shows that are available for like not only regional houses, but junior productions as well. But it, what's interesting about this and what makes me think that this has to be something for professional rank is the fact that Coco, despite having music in it, is not a musical. There are – there's a great score and right. yeah. Bobby and Kristen Anderson Lopez wrote songs for it. But it's not a traditional musical where the songs uh, – where the songs advance the plot. They are songs and performance numbers in the, in the, in the movie itself. So if they're going to do the effort to turn this into a musical – I feel like they're not just doing this to license it out for little kids to do it because that would be a completely different thing than, than what they're used to. So I feel like this very well has the opportunity to be a musical. What's interesting is, is this would not be the first 
non-musical that they turn into a Broadway show for Disney theatrical. Obviously, they had um, Peter and the Starcatcher, which was based on a book and, and then was turned into a play. But I am interested in this. If Bobby and Kristen are back involved, they had previously written a musical treatment for the film before they decided, before Pixar decided to keep it uh, more of a, you know, a movie with music and to use right. it kind of the parlance of theater. Um, we could see them doing some of that, but I would, I would love that. My, I think Coco is still like my nephew's favorite it's animated films. It's fantastic. Yeah. And yeah. I think Bobby and Kristen won an Oscar for, um, uh, for the song and that what remember was the name me, of that? Remember think, me, yeah, yeah, remember me, yeah, and that's the one that uh, that Mandy sang uh, at Epcot on oh, on Tuesday okay. night. I've got a video of that in the show notes from uh, from friend of the show Margaret Hall, who actually wrote the article. So uh-huh. um, see, that's the thing. That. It's been so while since I've seen Coco that I was thinking that it was a musical, but it's absolutely not. It, it's in in my head. It is because of Remember sure. Me, which is obviously one of the better if not best uh disney pixar songs that have been written in a while honestly yeah and um, it'd be it be that that really prevented lin-manuel miranda from getting the egot because he was nominated for moana in that same year and he didn't win oh, uh, because of remember year? me wow. yeah, yeah yeah see that that enough shows you yeah uh the the cat the voice cast of this was fantastic. In addition to twelve year old uh, or Anthony Gonzalez who played the twelve year old Miguel, you have Gael Garcia Bernal who is fantastic, mm-hmm. Benjamin Bratt, Edward James Almos. You have Jaime Camille, also former Broadway radio guest. Love. Um, uh, even even like like uh, Gabriela Iglesias and Cheech Marin, like just an absolutely fantastic cast. I would love to see Jaime. Uh, come back to Broadway in this somehow. I think that would be great, but either way, exciting. Yeah. Coco is, is really fantastic and looking forward to whatever they decide to do with this one. I double checked to make sure that you were right, which you were not Coco and Moana were not in the same year. Moana and La La Land were in the same year. Coco is in the same year of the greatest showman, but Coco won and La La Land won respectively. I was getting, so uh, Pasek and Paul, I was confusing their different Oscar nominations, uh, because they obviously they wrote Greatest Showman and La La Land, so yeah, it was yeah. it was Pasek and Paul who kept Lynn from getting the EGOT that year. Yeah, uh, so as okay, they do. whatever. It's all sure, the theater people intermingling. It's all the same. <laughs> exactly. Sure. Um, speaking of Lynn, at one point before you, Ashley, James and I used to have no, a so. regular <laughs> a regular Hamill section because there was just so much Hamilton news when that show premiered. I feel like yeah. now we're going to have to have the Mescal section because if for like yeah. the 19th time in a row, <laughs> we have a Paul Mescal story here in the rundown for today. And this one is interesting because even though the on Tuesday he received his first Academy Award nomination. Uh, this has nothing to do with that. It is different because this is coming from Deadline's Baz Bama Boy, and it is an exclusive. After he got the nomination on Tuesday, it was announced that effectively they are fast tracking the upcoming West End production of A Streetcar Named Desire, in which he is performing for a West End transfer. It is currently playing at a fringe theater right now, which we've talked about before. They are fast tracking it to the West End stage. They did not believe that they were going to be able to do this right away because Meskel was recently cast in director Ridley Scott's long awaited follow up to Gladiator, uh, Gladiator 2. Yeah. Um, they had thought that they weren't going to be able to do that, but 
Scott has now pushed the beginning of shooting for two weeks. So they're doing it two weeks later than originally scheduled. So this will open up Meskel's schedule to be able to bring Streetcar Named Desire to London, to the West End, uh, for a long enough run to make it financially worthwhile before he has to depart and go get ready to do Gladiator 2. So And do the 17,000 other projects he has going yes, on. Exactly, because he has everything uh, going on. But in That's this- Yes. Um, in this, he is playing, um, the, the nephew of Joaquin Phoenix's, um, Commodus. I can't remember how you say his name, uh, in the, uh, from the original film. So it's, uh, mm. very interesting to see how that will, uh, will work out. And we saw Top Gun Maverick do really well, like decades after the original. This one, Gladiator was not, yeah. a re- you know, not as old as Top Gun Maverick, but it came out in 2000. So by the time this comes out in 2024, 2025, it'll be a quarter it'll century. It'll certainly so. feel like it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But what a, what a busy, weird year for Paul Mescal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Very impressive. Absolutely bonkers. Absolutely I was bonkers. one of my favorite podcasts, if not my favorite podcast other than this one, which I just talked about the other day being off menu. Um, I, they returned for their new season today on Wednesday, and I was really excited, and still am because I haven't listened to it yet. But checked out who was on the new episode, and it's Paul Mescal. Okay. So he's everywhere, 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 all at once. But exactly, wrong movie he's in though. That's all right. Well, as if we never said goodbye to Paul Mescal. Oh, our, here we go. Yeah, our nice. feel good. Re- you like that? Thank you very much. Um, as much as you can. Uh, I witnessed it, yeah. Yeah. The feel-good recommendation for today is we have some unbelievable press preview performance video from the upcoming Kennedy Center Center Stage production of Sunset Boulevard. The first one comes to us from Frank DeLella, who, I mean, I know I know that you don't necessarily care for Andrew Lloyd Webber <laughs> stuff, but yeah. – God bless Frank DeLella for capturing and posting this entire thing because Stephanie J. Block (laughs) makes an absolute meal out of As If I Never Said Goodbye. What is so – The mealiest song ever already. 100%. 100%. And what's so great about this is is Frank being Frank. He's in the front row of the press press preview. And you get to see – just every acting twist. Like, that's what's so great about Stephanie is vocally, everybody understands she's one of the best. Correct. But what makes her so special is the fact that nothing is ever left unconsidered. Everything she sure. does is well acted and well thought out. Everything is Very natural deliberate. and authentic. Yes. And it's just absolutely beautiful. And what's funny about it is, is as you scroll through the comments on this video, and I'm sure this has something to do with the algorithm, but literally I'm scrolling and every single comment on here has a blue check mark after it. Andrew Lloyd Webber, brava, brava, bravissima, a moment for the history books, Carrie Butler, gorgeous, Anna Viafanye, uh, a head, uh, a head to, to toe body chills, Caroline Bowman, I love musical theater, um, Nikki Renee Daniels, Queen, <laughs> I am such a fan, Queen Leslie, Robert Crichton, per- Perez Hilton, Jessica Rush, Melissa Erico, uh, James Monroe Iglehart goes on and on and on. It's just like, oh my God, like, yeah, I mean, this Definitely has some algorithm stuff there uh, where celebrities and also, I guess, Perez Hilton will make it to the top. But (laughs) But yeah, I mean, well worth it. It's exceptional. (laughs) Yeah. And then we also have video 
Uh, not that this is not exceptional, but Derek Klenna, not yet at the Stephanie J. Block level. We have him doing a performance of the title song, uh, Sunset Boulevard, which opens Act Two in the show. Um, Tice Green, who has a blue check mark, is the first person on this comment uh, ah, underneath. Nice. So. Only nice. one I'm seeing so far. Although Moulin so far. Rouge fan, fan, fans is in there as well. So. Oh, of course. They're yeah. everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere, ever, all at once. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that is all that I have. I am going to start, speaking of that, I am going to start, that's one of the best picture films that I've seen. I'm going to start watching the best picture movies that I have not tonight. I'm going to start with Ooh. The Banshees of Inna Sharon. <gasps> yes! So I feel like that's I a good place. Thoughts. Yeah, I feel like that's a good place to start being the... Tremendous theater connections Extremely uh, good. of Martin McDonough. I'm, so, I will probably rent Tar either ha- tonight well, no, or tomorrow night. Um, it is. I don't know that if you have access to Peacock, but it is going to be on Peacock starring on Friday. Is um, it okay? Yes. Well, now I don't have to because I yeah. just renewed my Peacock subscription. There you go. It's coming out on Friday, so you're welcome Woo-hoo! from from the streamable.com. The streamables, Matt Tamanini. That's right, news editor. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. That's all that I have for today. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Thursday. And if everything goes according to plan, Ashley and Grace will take you into the weekend tomorrow.